Welcome back to the Corner 3. It's Friday. That means it's Corner 3 day. And today, I guess we're like a long two. Like a foot on the line two. Because Austin, who's normally with us uh, on Fridays, she's doing some other work. And we're, as always, we're posted up, spotted up, and whatever else Bobby says on Fridays. And joined, as always, the BK Brawler, Bobby K. Bobby. Yeah, thank thank you for that, Isaac. How's your Friday? Uh, it's been good so far. Uh, it's been good so far. Austin is trapped near the Rooms to Go Lounge. As far as we know, she's not in the Rooms to Go Lounge, but she is very. She's like Rooms to Go Lounge adjacent. She did join us for the Magic game this past week, and uh, we tried to convince her that we need to be in the Rooms to Go Lounge. So maybe someday we'll have the corner three from the Rooms to Go Lounge. You know, the power of positive thinking was on display whenever uh, she was at that Magic game, too, because it was not looking good for a while there. And, uh, you know, we were just kind of, whatever. We've seen all sorts of good and bad games and everything in between at American Airlines Center. But she, at, like, halftime or late in the second quarter, just kind of, she was like, oh, they're going to win. Yeah. They being the Mavs, not the not the Magic. Yep. And uh, sure enough, Austin willed them to victory. She so called shout it. shout-outs to Austin. She called it. That's why they won. Uh, the Groundhog saw its shadow today, so that means – Spring is coming. Do you care about Groundhog Day? Because I don't. Uh, cool. Is that Punk's Tatani Phil? Yeah. Okay. That's what I know about Groundhog Day. I love throwing rain. Does it happen in you. Philadelphia? I don't know where it happens. I don't really care about the Groundhog, but okay. a lot of people do. You ever seen the movie? I have, yeah. Pretty good movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. It's kind of overrated, but... You know what's not overrated? Jeez. Um, the Timberwolves offense. <laughs> I love Bill Murray. <laughs> I like Bill Murray, too. Uh, the Timberwolves offense the other night. Mavs play the Timberwolves very shorthanded. All right. A lot of people out for uh, the Mavs in that game. Sounds like an excuse, Isaac. I'm just saying they they were very shorthanded. A couple Mavs didn't even make the trip you know, to that game. It was just kind of a... You know, it's like a one-game kind of road trip there as we prep for the Milwaukee Bucks coming to town on Saturday. But Timberwolves end up winning the game 121-87. It was a close game for the first half, and then they kind of just, hey, we're the we're the, one of the top teams in the whole league second halves and kind of pulled away from it. When you look at it, it's, you know, sometimes it's a little hard to find some takeaways in some games like this that Luka, Kyrie, Derek Lively – I mean, Exum, Derek Jones Jr., so many people missed this game and end up being a wide margin of defeat for the Mavs. But what would you say is like one of the top takeaways from a game like this? Uh, my number one takeaway is, and this is a kind of a common theme over the last couple seasons, really, especially starting like midway through last year, is that when Josh Green is assertive, he's a really, really interesting player. Um, that hasn't always been the case whenever it's both Luka and Kyrie on the floor next to him. But whenever it's just one, or particularly whenever both are out, he has the ball in his hands a lot more. He's able to put the ball on the floor and make plays, also look for his own shot. And, you know, earlier in the season, he got off to kind of a poor shooting start. Felt like he was rounding into form a little more. And then his, he got hurt, you know, and his first couple games back were not very good. But since his third game back from injury, so that's starting on uh, 12-30 against the Warriors, he's averaging 10.5 points per game, 52% from the floor, 45% from three three boards, two assists, and if you narrow that down to his last nine games, he's up to 12.7 points, three and a half boards, almost three assists per game on 50, 48 um, shooting splits. So, like, he's been shooting well, he's been scoring well, he does still kind of find himself in some weird situations every now and then where he forces a play and, and it ends up in a turnover, but I thought he was 
really, really good. And, you know, I, I don't really know what kind of the roster is going to look like a week from now, but um, down the stretch, if nothing changes, like he is a very integral piece to their, not only their defense, but also their offense if he's going to be playing like that. You know, he signs the extension this past offseason. He starts off the season having a, a, a pretty good year, a decent year, and then he has the injury, and he's out for a while. Exum kind of takes his spot in, in the starting lineup, and they're shifting some things around. Then he comes back, and naturally he's a little rusty. Now it feels like he's getting back in the form, and they desperately need him. Uh, as There's still game-to-game -game some inconsistencies. There Every is, Every now yeah. and then, like, against the Magic, his first and only bucket came with, like, 30 seconds left in the game. So, you know. It's not every game that he's doing this, but on on uh, over a large sample, he's doing it pretty often. When you have games like this where people you know are missing the game, and it naturally brings up more opportunities for other people on the roster. One of those guys was Rashawn Holmes. Uh, you know, with Dwight <laughs> Dwight wearing the goggles right now, only played fifteen. Well, I guess they're they're not really they're go thick goggles, too, man. Are they goggles? or Are they just like glasses? That's they might be like bulletproof. Those are thick. I don't see the string around his head like connecting them, and I'm like, how do they stay on his mm. head? I there's got to be some sort of connecting in the back. They just super glue him to the side of his head, or well, is it is it like a almost like a headband? I don't think there's a I don't I don't think I haven't seen a string behind on the back of his. I'm head. I'm pretty sure that it connects. Okay, they play tomorrow. Tune in at seven thirty. Well, evening. Yes, <laughs> at some point. Um, but Rashawn Holmes starts in this game. He plays 30 minutes. Uh, he puts up a double-double. I think it was 11 points. I know he had 10 boards uh, in the game. I just liked a lot of his minutes in the first half. I loved his energy that he brought. It's been kind of an inconsistent role for him coming off the bench uh, this year. And, you know, a lot of game, a lot of DMPCDs. Recently, he's been playing a little bit more. Uh, did you like what you saw from him? Were you surprised? He, you know, he got 30 minutes compared to, like, a Dwight playing just 14 in this game. I wasn't surprised that he got the minutes because he was playing really well and Dwight just didn't really get it going at all. Um, Dwight has had some really good games against the Wolves and against Gobert and Towns over the years in particular, but just couldn't get it. He missed three free throws in a row. I feel like his depth perception is a little messed up right now. I mean, if you're dealing with an eye thing, like you might be seeing three rims legitimately, you know? Yeah, I it's, mean... It's not an excuse. I'm sure he's friends with LeBron. He could ask, you know... Probably. There's, he's the expert on the subject, of. but... Uh, advice on that I mean Holmes was good you know he picked up a bunch of fouls on Gobert like 40 feet from the rim that was pretty funny what Happened was Rudy doing very weird it felt like he was trying to prove a point at some point you know <laughs> like all right yeah um activity level was good hustle was good energy was good you know whenever he and Omax were in there it was kind of bash brothers activity on yeah. the offense uh offensive glass that was pretty cool to see you know in in your estimation with Maxi having missed so much time, now that Maxi's back, kind of the big man rotation is set. Like lively, and then Maxi is the priority number two. And then if you need more size, he's going to go with Dwight over Holmes. But in your estimation, uh, is that the way to go? Or you know, and obviously this is dependent on what happens at the deadline and stuff. But uh, do you think Holmes earns more minutes based on how he's he's played these last few games? I think it's matchup dependent. I mean, like you said, like Dwight has had good games against you know the Timberwolves bigs at times. Um, nobody can guard. Jokic but Dwight has at least had some you know decent like showings against him at times mm. uh once again nobody can guard Jokic but um I think it's kind of matchup dependent it's like Dwight has been here so long and you know exactly what Dwight can bring you and it's like all right it's kind of like the break glass 
hey, if something's not working, let's, can we just throw Dwight in there, <laughs> run pick and roll, mm. and like we know what we're getting when, when Dwight's in there. So I think it's more matchup dependent, and then, yeah, obviously we'll see what happens over the next week with the deadline. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Dwight is a really good cheat code to just get Luka some easy looks. Yeah. But especially in games where Luka doesn't play or when Luka's not on the floor, it feels like Holmes can generate more of his own offense. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's, especially in a game where they didn't have Kyrie either, yeah, uh, and they didn't have Dante Exum. Their point guard was Hardy and Seth. Kind of that was pretty much it. Yeah, uh, feels like maybe Gosh, having more guys that can create some stuff is good. So there's Dwight. Oh, there is. Okay, so this is Chopper in the back finding some oh, we got finding some, some video for us. Is a Pruder film here? We see if you're watching on YouTube, you see there is nothing. I don't think there's anything. Is there, there is? There. Cat says there is. It does look like his hair is scrunched. Oh, yeah. There's a very thin line. There is. Wow. Good job, guys. Wow, that is some production on the fly. Chopper cat coming through. You can only find that here in Studio 41, presented by Chime. There is a... Oh. Wow. Chopper, I love you. And those are thick, but they look foggy, too. Like, there's there's so much going on in there that they're fogging up. It's, and you're sweating, too. So, yeah, I mean, it's a big adjustment. And we're going to see... You know, Lively's not going to wear goggles. I'm assuming he's going to wear a pretty thick face mask, yeah. though, and that is its own challenge to overcome, too. Rip Hamilton coming. Yeah, against Giannis. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. You, you have a broken nose, and Giannis is driving at you. What do you do? Derek Lively's probably going to stand there because yeah. he's <laughs> tough as nails. Dude played the rest of that game with a broken nose, and I'm like, I think I would just be laying in bed <laughs> if I had a broken nose. Omax played 19, almost 20 minutes in this game. Uh, he had like six points, but it, it's not even really a stat thing for me with Omax. The energy mm -hmm. that Omax, when he's on the floor, it kind of reminds me of like rookie season Josh Green. I mean, Josh still brings a ton of energy, but like rookie season Josh Green, it was kind of the unleash vibe of like, hey, just go out here and just like cause chaos and give a bunch of energy. And Omax kind of gives me those vibes right now. I love the guy. I will always stand for the guy. So. I love seeing him get some minutes in a game like this. There's some pretty compromising footage of my reaction whenever they drafted him. Um, I said a couple in, out of excitement. You know, oh, I, oh, said I, was, a, yeah. I said a couple bad words on uh, the Mavs.com stream, but that was that was fine. Uh, it was great. Wait, I, was it? But it was in a good setting, though, right? Like yeah, a good. Uh, it was in exaltation. Oh, okay, uh, but okay. I just said a couple bad words. I thought that we were on a commercial break, which we were, but the commercial had ended. My mic was muted, but there's still footage of me saying some oh. some foul language. I was standing up. So I was, rewind, I was pro-Omax way in the pre-draft process. You were very pro-Max, Lo dude. Love this guy. Love yeah. this guy. And I was, so we take Lively. Draft is going on. and But they make the trade, you know, with Sacramento. And I'm like, they're going to get him. They're going to get him. <laughs> and I'm like standing up and I'm like, still don't know anything. And then when they like the report comes out, I mean, I'm just like freaking out. I think I might've had my, my personal all time notification record oh, that yeah. night of <laughs> uh, random people texting and, and getting online and like, all right. Yeah. I mean, my first thought was, uh, embarrass myself. My second thought was I'm on camera. I should cool it. And then my third thought was I need to text Isaac like, yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah. Love this um, guy, man. And it's it's hard not to love him because he just plays so dang hard. Yeah. You know, and compared to you know, the Mavs aren't even that really that much of an old team. I mean they have some guys in their rotation that are like thirty one, but they got a lot of guys that are twenty three, twenty four, twenty five. But Omax plays even harder than them. Like Kurt, noticeably you hear that? 
harder than them. It's a young team. <laughs> uh, he just plays so hard, and he's six foot eight, and he guards guys that are bigger than him, and he does a lot of things. You know, crashes the glass at both ends of the floor. Like does a lot of things that are missing from this team, or that are nice additions to this team. Um, now moving forward. I don't know if he's again. So much of this is contingent on what happens a week from now. And by yeah. the way, next week, uh, literally a week from this instant that we're recording, we're going to be doing a live stream Friday morning, yeah. the day after the trade deadline, reacting to everything that happens around the league involving the Mavs if they do anything, and and also not if if it's their rivals or competitors or whatever. Um, I'm not sure how much Omax plays the rest of the season. I'm not sure if he's like a nightly inclusion or whatever. I think that. For him, it's more get as much playing time in the G League as you can, which is they've been doing that every yeah. every game the Legends have played. He's played in for the last month or so. I'm sure it's going to be the case for the next month or so too, unless he becomes a rotation mainstay. And maybe it's next season where he finally cracks that regular ten man or whatever. It's going to take time. Yeah, I think so. Just because we know he's got the top gear. Yeah. Um, can he find the middle gear? You know, and then also you have to you have to iron out the three point shot. Yeah. And we're seeing even Derek Jones who got off to a really good shooting start. Teams are not really guarding him anymore. Um, teams don't even necessarily guard Josh or Dante, who have yeah. better shooting numbers than Jones. Um, you know, and you you have to. Oh, here it is. And you have to. Uh, you have to. You have to have guys that are a threat to shoot. Otherwise, it can it can really clog up the lane. So, at some point here, as you're watching on YouTube, ah, uh, there's. I'm getting fired up. I'm getting real fired up. <laughs> Look at skin. <laughs> Skin is banging the table and clapping and just being – he's being skin. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. And I, I don't think we – oh, yeah, ah! there we go. Yeah, arms in the air, doing the Rocky thing. I'm I'm very turned up. And uh, here's Stein breaking the news. But, yeah, it was it was like – yeah, it was just a, a dream a dream sequence <laughs> for me. And even after the, after the show, Mark Stein uh, was like, I – your enthusiasm for this guy like was inspiring to me. <laughs> I was like, that's the <laughs> nicest thing you've ever seen. Oh, thank you. Thanks, <laughs> so so I, yeah, I love Omax, and I'm you and you love Omax yeah, more yeah. than I do. No, we both love Omax. But I think yeah. it's very fair to say, like, I don't know if he's gonna play twenty minutes a game this season. Like I, I think <laughs> yeah. it's just hey, enjoy the time he gets on the floor, but for the most part, still iron out the three point shot. Find the find the slightly lower gear, you know, push the limits. Yeah. Find how hard you can play without getting a foul, without being out of control, you know, and then, you know, practice at that speed. And if you can play at that speed all the time, controlled chaos, then yeah, you're you're joining the rotation very soon. You say the or people say the line all the time when players start mature and go, uh, you know, longer in their careers, the game slows down for them. At some point, the game's going to slow down for Omax, and we'll see it. And I, one thing you can't takeaway from him right now is when he's out there his size on the wing position and you know obviously Dallas is a little smaller on the wing but when Omax is out there you're like oh you know it's just a difference when you have a six eight six nine guy mm. uh, with his wingspan and stuff out on the wing so and I think he's gonna buff up a little bit more yeah. too and so you know he could be a uh I mean this is Al Farouk Aminu well, Al, uh, Farouk was a little skinnier I think I mean he could be more like Covington I think that kind okay. of Covington was like a little buff, you know, six eight, but he was like thick, sturdy, yeah. switch off on bigs, quick enough to keep up with guards. Uh, very disruptive guy, very energy, en an energy giver mm. on the floor, you know. And I think that's that would be amazing if yeah. he, if he could become that guy. It would. But that might never happen, or it might happen tomorrow. We'll see. <laughs> or the next day. Or the it could happen the next day too.
So the Mavs lose that game to Minnesota. Next game is tomorrow on Saturday. Milwaukee Bucks in town. New coach, Doc Rivers. We'll have a Rivers whole Curry family reunion here at the AC. Uh, That's right. Seth and Doc and Seth's wife, Callie, she'll probably be here. I saw them at the game the other night with uh, their three kids. And so should be a whole Rivers Curry family gathering here Saturday night. But we'll see what happens with the Bucks. Speaking of the Bucks, and uh, they had two All-Star starters in Damian Lillard and Giannis that uh, started or were announced as starters last week on TNT for the All-Star game. Last night on Thursday, they announced the All-Star reserves, mm-hmm. and our guy, old friend, Jalen Brunson, getting an All-Star reserve spot in the Eastern Conference, his first All-Star spot. How happy were you for JB? <laughs> I'm very happy for him. <laughs> I'm not mad or sad or anything. I'm just so happy. <laughs> no, it was great, dude. It was great. Yeah. He's awesome. He's just awesome. Nick's, Nick's covered, you know, how they covered that and the video they put out with his, you know, just all the montage of little pictures of him and his dad talking about it. It was just, it was just great. I mean, it was great. It's obviously kind of annoying still. You know? Stop. <laughs> but like, no. It's awesome. Dude, like, as happy as you were that they got Omax was pretty much how happy I was when they got Brunson. Like mm. I loved that pick so much, and I was pounding the table throughout his rookie year, second year, third year. Like this guy is going to be amazing. And there were a lot of, and I'm not trying to whatever, but like there were a lot of Mavs fans that kind of lost patience with him, even during the 21-22 yeah. season. You know, because like. Are you ever going to take that next leap? Are you going to keep getting outplayed by guys like Trey Burke or these other guards? Um, are you going to struggle against length for the rest of your career? And then all of a sudden, he just didn't anymore. He just figured it out, and it clicked. And uh, you know they don't go on that run without him, of course. And now it looks like he's going to go on a lot of runs with the Knicks. <laughs> yeah. um, but he's just—he's an amazing player and is a great dude. And I'm—I'm I'm very happy for him. Yeah. And he probably should have been the starter, to be honest. But whatever. no, he should have. Yeah, over Dame. But. Yeah. I think they tied in votes, and then the fan vote took. Yeah, fans get the tiebreaker. You know, Dame over the top for that spot, starting spot. But uh, the reserves are announced in both the East and the West. In the West, you have Booker, Steph Curry, Anthony Davis, Ant, Paul George, Kawhi, and Carl Anthony Towns. Towns versus Sabonis for that last spot was kind of controversial. Yeah, it is controversial. No Kings don't get anybody. No, Yeah, Cats, Kings didn't get anybody. Sorry, Cat. And, yeah. Sorry, Cat came in this morning, kind of upset about it and yeah. crying. And got a Fox jersey on underneath her work clothes, <laughs> yeah, and a Sabonis jersey on top. It's very weird. Like you're just I like know, a big so Kings fan. What are you wearing? Right Multi jerseys. Uh, the East had Jul- <laughs> Julius Randle, which will probably miss the game because of injury. Yeah, because he's he's out three weeks, so that's three weeks from now is beyond the All Star break. Yeah. Uh, Bam Adebayo, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Maxi Brunson, Jalen Brown. And Paolo. No Trey Young. I feel like there was another Eastern Conference player that was considered. You know, anytime these things are announced, it's like you might as well just go ahead and put out the graphic of snubs because that's what everybody wants to well, talk about. I mean, Derek about. White, you got to start there. <laughs> yeah. KP, KP didn't make it either, right? It was yeah, just, yeah. just Tatum and Brown from the Celtics. Yeah, no KP. Um, Derek White. He's had a great season, but. I he mean, has. The all-star uh, campaign from all the online people didn't work yeah uh a lot of people don't know ball i guess yeah, uh, yeah. but trey not making it is very surprising he's everything like 28 and 11 he's two awesome. straight years right he's, like, yeah he's so good it's very strange it's just very strange and i know team success has something to do with it but those 
team success should factor more into um end of season awards or whatever like your all nbas and your certainly your mvps and stuff like that not rookie of the year see that as like some tiebreaker to chet which is very bizarre because wimby is like breaking our brains yeah every night but for trey not to be on the all-star team with those numbers is just very very strange very strange very strange uh we'll see who replaces julius randall trey might get that would um, he go to a front court player or is it just next guy up does it really matter that's true i don't know i don't know how adam silver picks right i don't know New contract, Adam. I don't really know. I don't have Adam's number. You'll have to find that one out for me. Um, I would guess one of the reasons that with Trey Young is the lack of defense. Maybe. Maybe. Dude. It's an all-star game. I'm trying to make a transition. Just go oh, with okay. me. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Sorry. So, um, something that Trey... <laughs> I was ready to debate you. I right know. Now. You were like, ready. I'm like, dang, is it rivalry week? Like, this, is what, this is what it is right here. Bobby... <laughs> <laughs> it takes the Hawks' side. Um, so it was a win-win. Okay, <laughs> it was a win-win. <laughs> Trey is good at offense, and a lot of league is good at offense right now. Mm. And uh, this is one of the biggest talking points right now of the past few weeks. Uh, honestly, since the, I guess the seventy-three point games, you know, Joel Embiid seventy, you know, point game. Luca has the seventy-three. There's all this discourse of how it's getting covered. And then all you know, everybody's like, "Well, the defense sucks," and what's going on? So, I, I've there was a, a tweet back, uh, I guess last week, by old friend Bob Volgaris, and he's tweeting out some stuff about when Kobe scored eighty-two and the average number of possessions. Then um, he's comparing it to now. It's kind of a small little thread. And then at the end, he's like, to put it more simply, the average game in two thousand six had one hundred and ninety-two had 192 points the average game this season is an average of 230 points it's there's so a lot of points that's a lot of points there's so many angles to the offense if you want to say explosion all of that right now I kind of just want to like lob it to you we've talked about in different settings in the press box and here about how the offense looks now in today's game is it easier does it just look different is this overblown is it valid is it fun to watch? Are, are people complaining about something that's kind of dumb? But is it like valid at the same? I don't. There's just so many different angles to this. Bobby, is this like true? Like what? What? How do we view this? Like I don't know. Well, let's go to the numbers, no. Isaac. Let's do what you we should do. Put the numbers on the board. I'm gonna, dude. I'm gonna do that. I was born to do that. I've been doing it for years. So, let's start with the. Uh, in my notes, I said it's the 2024-24 season, but no, it is the 2023-24 season. The average team scores 115.5 points per game, and three teams have a 120 or better offensive rating, which is that's – that's a lot. Remember, four years ago, the Mavs set the record, and they were like 117.8 or 118.1 or something, and it was like, oh, my God, this is the best offense of all time. Yeah. Now, there's a bunch of teams that are better than that. But let's go all the way back, okay? So start today, but let's rewind the clock. Let's go 60 years in the past. Oh. 62 years in the past I'm ready. to the original unguardable player. We think Luca's unstoppable. No. Cuban was just born, right? Ish. Kind of. Isaac's favorite player of all time, though. Uh-oh. The great Wilt Chamberlain. I am a huge Wilt stan. I will defend him to my death. Probably the most game-breaking unguardable player in the history of professional sports. Like this I'll dude. look at him. In 1961-62, he averaged 50 points per game, and he played... 
48 and a half minutes per game. So he played every single minute all year. That's a record that will never, never be broken. Never. It never will. And probably 50 points per game won't be either, if I had to guess. But it might be. Who knows? But that season, uh, not only did Wilt average 50 a game, but you had a bunch of guys in the league averaging more than 20 rebounds per game. You also had Oscar Robertson averaging a triple-double. There are a lot of very famous stats from that season that hold up now that everybody looks at. That was whenever he scored, of course, the 100-point game. Um that was not on camera. I think it was against the Knicks, if mm. I remember correctly. But um, there are so many numbers and stats from that season that still are looked at and com- like compared to with players that play today. Um, Luca is the first since Oscar Robertson to do this. Luca is the first since Wilt to do this. Uh, David Thompson and Kobe are the only players that have scored what Luca has or more. Wilt did that two times. He scored 78 and 100. <laughs> like, it's unbelievable, right? Yeah. But that season, the Philadelphia Warriors, that's who he played for mm. uh, at the time. It was before they moved to San Francisco, and then he went back to Philadelphia, played for the 76ers, won a title, and then played for the Lakers. But with the Philadelphia Warriors, they had – boy. I feel like you're about to throw a million numbers at me. The game was a little faster back then. Let's just – let's say it this way. So you know yeah. how the Mavs this year, they play 100 possessions per game. They're, like, pretty fast. Yeah. Top 10 pace team. The Warriors averaged 131 possessions per game. Did they breathe? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, dude. <laughs> Did they have a water break? I don't know. And they all played 48 minutes a game, too. It's like they're just gassed all the time. But they had the ball an extra 31 times. 31 times more than the Mavs do even today. Uh, and their offensive rating was 94 and a half, uh, which is mm. not very good. So mm. 94 and a half points per 100 possessions. A lot possessions. of cardio for nothing. Yes, yeah, so they had a lot of extra chances, and they did not score nearly as many points with those chances because, of course, there was no three-point line. Uh, there was a lot more free throw shooting, um, and generally field goal percentages were just depressed. A lot of guys shot in the 30s, like for the season, you know, and they were considered like good, efficient scores. Um, so uh, the, the whole point of this, let me set the table before I go to the next era, is every single era has its own well, I mean, eh, kind of thing to yeah. say about the offensive, the great offensive players of the day. So in Wilt's era and in Oscar's era, you could say they just had the ball more. Like, Luca has a lot of time of possession, but they just had a lot more chances. Mm. Okay. Uh, let's fast forward to probably the greatest player of all time, Michael Jordan. He is. His 1986-87 season. Uh, I would actually say LeBron has a really compelling case for that, but that's fine. Bobby, stop. Uh, we can embrace debate another day. The 86-87 season, MJ averaged a career-best 37 points per game. All right? 37 points per game. Now, the pace that season was very similar to today's. I would even say it was practically identical to today's pace, number of possessions. But the Bulls, they shot a gazillion free throws. So for every 10 field goal attempts they took, they took three free throws. That is a 31.5% free throw rate, which is a big, gigantic number. It would lead the NBA today. So the NBA, and in, in today's NBA, I know we complain about how many calls some stars get uh, or don't get, but back then they shot way more free throws, way more free throws. The Bulls that season would lead the league in free throw rate uh, if they played today. But in that season, so smooth. they ranked 20th in free throw rate out of 23 teams. Everybody was shooting a boatload of free throws. And also, furthermore, Every team was also getting a boatload of offensive rebounds. There was just no space. There was like seven or eight guys in the lane at any given time. So there was a bunch of traffic, and we confuse that in our heads with defense. No, it's just literally there's like eight guys that are six foot seven down there. Good luck scoring. Um, you're going to get fouled, and a lot of guys are going to get putbacks. 
And so uh, they were playing a lot of defense, but really what was going on is they were just fouling the heck out of each other, getting a ton of free throws. MJ took 28 field goal attempts per game that season, also took 12 free throws per game. Uh, Luca this year averages, what, seven free throws a game, I think? Uh, if he got five extra free throws, what would he average? Probably closer to like 37, 38 points per game. Kind of like James Harden. Kind of like James Harden, that yeah. yeah. Um, so, okay, so that's, that's your 1980s. Whenever the league played a bunch of defense, they were actually just fouling a lot. Okay, now let's go to what Bob is talking about. Kobe's 81-point game. An unbelievable performance. I would say pound for pound, the greatest scoring performance of all time hmm. because the league was playing so slow. Yeah. And they it hadn't spread out to the three-point line. Now, in that game, I think Kobe took seven or eight threes and, and, or made seven or eight threes. But still, that was very uncommon at the time. That season, 05-06, the hand check had already been removed. So you could, you could, uh, you could not play physically. Uh, and also, illegal defense had been legislated out of the game as well. And so there was a lot more space, but the league hadn't quite caught up to the rules yet. So there was still a lot of mid-range jumpers. How many mid-range jumpers? Well... That season, 23%, so nearly one out of every four shots, were taken from between 16 feet from the rim and the three-point line. So that's your long twos. It's like this show, you know? Yeah. One out of every four shots. And then on top of that, uh, 20% of field goal attempts were threes. So add it together, 43% of shots that season were jumpers, okay? This season, 6% of shots are taken from between 16 feet and the three-point line. 39% of shots are taken from beyond the three-point line. Added up, that's 45% of shots are jump shots. Jump shots. I feel like I'm like the Zach Galifianakis meme right now. With like, Is it that confusing? I'm sorry. No, no, no. no. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm just dumb. So 43% of shots in 2006 were jumpers. 45% of shots this season are jumpers. Yeah. But there's just too many jump shots nowadays. They don't play basketball the way that they did in that era. Like, they just... All right, old they man. were taking the same number of jumpers. <laughs> it's just they're a little further back now. And also, teams are shooting better on twos this season than they, than they were back then. So I think, really, if you're complaining about Luka's performance compared to Kobe's, uh, or this era of the NBA compared to that era, I think what you want is not for guys to take fewer jump shots. You just want to see guys miss more. That's really mm -hmm. what it is. You want to see more misses, um, which is not fun. To me, I would say uh, the 1962 season, whenever they're just sprinting up and down the court and throwing up bricks, that's not fun. I was just say it's kind of like just pick your poison. Like, yeah, there's going to be a drawback to any era. In the 80s, uh, the lane was cramped. You can go back and watch any highlight reel ever. You're going to see like 15 players somehow illegally in the in the lane. Uh, that's not fun to watch. Free throw contests aren't fun to watch. Uh, 20 foot bricks are not fun to watch. Now, there are some people, I, I understand if you don't want to watch a team shoot 45 threes and they make like 12 of them, you're like, oh my God, get to the basket. Like, I get it, mm -hmm. but uh, there were a bunch of bricks in every era of the NBA. Like, yeah. that's the whole point. Even the best teams miss half their shots. So it's really pick your poison. Uh, where do you want them to miss? Where do you want the drawback to be? There was no golden era of basketball. Like, there just wasn't. To some people, there was. Yeah, and you want to know when their golden era was? When that person was a kid. When they were a kid, yes. That's it. Yeah. When did you grow up? The people that are on TV complaining about the state of basketball now grew up watching 80s basketball. Like, so they just think MJ, Magic, Bird, like, all those guys, Kareem, like, those are like, man, they played real basketball. Yeah. No, they just took 30 free throws a game. Yeah. You know? Uh, I grew up. Like I grew up watching. Years. Yeah, I grew up watching Dirk and Kobe. Bob did too. You know, Bob is a little older than I am, but like we grew up watching a lot of 
like that initial offensive explosion you you did as well like yeah. Nash Dirk you know those guys the Suns the Suns they were playing they broke the game by playing offense they broke everybody's brains they would get run off the floor in today's league because teams are just better at doing what the Suns created you yeah. know um in that era there were it was a bunch of bricks from 20 feet like it was not a it was not a great product like every era if you want to be a, a naysayer every single era sucks if you want to be like an optimist and an appreciator and if you actually like the sport then you'll find the good elements of every era just like in in the 60s they were playing super fast pace but you got to see guys like Wilt and Bill Russell like redefine what it meant to be a big man you know or really define what it meant to be a big man in the 80s there were a bunch of free throws there was a bunch of fouling but you got to see guys like MJ Magic and Larry Bird discover ways to like produce and to get to the rim and finish creatively whenever it was nothing but a traffic jam on the court. In the mid 2000s, the game was, it was gross, dude. It was low scoring and it was nasty, but you got to see individual artists like Dirk and like Kobe and like Steve Nash and Tim Duncan in his own way and Tracy McGrady and Vince Carter, like find ways to overcome this very like boring, dull brand of basketball that was plaguing the league and push the league forward. And now, you can either say there's no defense, or you can say, yeah, players are just so skilled that it is impossible to guard them with the current rule set. So is this the best product the NBA's put out? Uh, I would say there's more skill in the league now than there's ever been, not even close. Not my question. Is this the best product? <laughs> that um, I mean, it depends on what you value. I think that... Yeah, uh, I'd say in a way, it's like, I think it's opinion-based. Like, yeah. I personally, I do miss a lot of the uh, like a lot of the defense, but I'm like weird in that way. Like I love NFL games that are really low scoring, mm -hmm. and I like I'm not saying I want to see a free throw matchup for you know three and a half hours, but I do miss some of the defense that we used to have. I think, uh, in my own opinion, I would say that I appreciate watching skill, um, right. and there are very even like the worst teams the nba now have players that are more skilled than a lot of players in the league 20 years ago a lot of even the, i would say some of the better teams in the league like so that makes night to night the product is watchable because of that like it's yeah. a great product because every single team can beat every single other team yep. um however i think that uh you know maybe some of the more fundamental aspects of the game that i would appreciate things like boxing out getting oh, back in transition ups. i don't like post ups no uh, but, oh, but like, I love a good post up. I mean, it's cool to watch footwork. You know, it is cool. Yeah. I gotta say, um, like when Kyrie gets in the post, is really nice. Jalen you know? Brunson footwork. Yeah. It is. It is okay. I maybe I like good post ups. I don't mind it even like. I mean, we're saying guards, but like, I even like. I mean, Embiid has some nasty moves on the post, and it's like, I think back to All Star game a few years ago, and it's Embiid posting up some of the best players in the league, and he's pulling off some post moves, and I'm mm -hmm. like. I love that. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's cool. I don't want to watch Stiffs do it. You just you want know. to see the 35-footers? I think that it's fun. I think it it's fun. just as cool to see a bomb as it is to see a, a nice, you know, up and under. But the thing is, like, you know, um, possession to possession, there's a lot of effort spent just covering the ground on defense because of mm -hmm. the current rule set. Yeah. And so I understand you might not have the juice to just, like, get up and down the floor every single possession. You might not have the juice to box out every single possession, but it is very frustrating to watch that in real time. So, you know, I think that the league could do its players a favor by giving the defense a little more leeway to actually defend. Yeah. That way you won't have to just exhaust yourself chasing around guys that you can't touch. Yeah. Which could enhance the product even more. 
So I think the rule set is failing the players. It's not the players are failing the fans. Like, I, I, I think if, you're, if you complain about the lack of defense in today's game and focus more on the players and not on the rules, then you're just doing a disservice to yourself and the fans and the players and everybody. Like, no, I think you're, I just, you're yeah. failing. Yeah. Yes. The whole, like, being mad right now about this stuff, I think it's way overblown. I'm like, I think there's much other things that in basketball throughout the years that I'd be more upset about mm. uh, than where we're at right now. But so. every single every single time, you know, you reach this critical turning point in all these eras, in the 60s, then in the 80s, then in the mid-2000s, like, the product did become, stats became really inflated, and things just got real yeah. weird, and then the NBA implemented rule changes to yeah. even it out, you know, and I, I think we are approaching... In my opinion, we might be even past the point where they should change something. Yes. But I think within the next couple of years, there will be a major changes to allow defense to be a little, you know, to participate a little more. Yeah, there's different there's different small things I think they can do on offense or like, you know, where how a player can defend a guy. Um, some of this like just driving in as you're driving and you just lean into somebody and throw up a shot and you're getting, you know, foul calls all the time. Like, I think there, there's a bunch of different things. People are throwing out all kinds of um solutions right now if we want to say that mm. one of my favorite teams growing up was the nets team jason kidd richard jefferson mm. vince carter fun team Kenyon martin todd mccullough carrie kittles mm. i can't name anybody else on that i nets think they team. did they later have uh do they have russian astrovich at all yeah they, did they did. have uh slovenian right yeah i think oh crap dang it I, I um, I'm oh, uh yes. Jason Kidd went from the Nets and had a long career, and now he's the head coach of the Mavs, as mm. we know. He went on the radio the other day and had some uh, had some quotes that were not about current play of the Mavericks, but comparing um, Luca and Dirk Nowitzki, who's on ninety-seven point one, the Freaks, the downbeat, and Jason Kidd said this about Luca: he's better than Dirk. Mm. He's in the atmosphere of MJ, the best to ever do it, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant. And so just to appreciate what this young man's doing at the age of 24, it's something that Dallas has never seen. He said, kid goes on, I've said, said this internally. He is better than Dirk. He does things that Dirk can never do. And now is the opportunity of getting the right people around him to ultimately win a championship. When you invoke Dirk's name, it gets all Mavs fans in their feelings. It does. I miss him. Anytime they show him on the Jumbotron, it's awesome. Um, it helps my soul when things are down with the Mavs and we get to see Dirk. It's just such a... Whenever we use him as a prop to cover up the failures of our own organization. Is that what you're saying? I didn't say that. Oh, okay. Bobby said that. Kat, you had to get on Bobby for that. <laughs> I'm not in trouble for that. Sorry, I peeled back the curtain about Mavs State Media a little too far just then. My bad. Thoughts on those comments? Like, I mean, it's it's Madison's been talking about it over the past what forty eight hours, and I think it's interesting. But what do, what do you think about it? It is interesting. Um, I mean, obviously, just like looking at the numbers, Luca has been so much more productive than Dirk. I mean, this is so this is Dirk's peak from two thousand four oh five. That was his first year as the guy until they won the title in twenty eleven. That's kind of understood to be Dirk's best six seven year stretch of basketball. Um, 25 points, eight and a half boards. Now the, the league pace was deflated. You know, if he would have played more possessions, he would be closer to 30 points a game like Luca. And if he took more threes, who knows how many points he could have averaged, but, um, we can only judge the players on the era in which they play. 
And Luca, obviously playing point guard, gets more assists than Dirk and all that stuff. So just just by the numbers, yes, Luca is more productive. And Luca's numbers are much more similar to guys like LeBron and uh, MJ. And Gosh, I mean, be- this better than things. Kobe's. I mean, yeah, that is just that is outrageous, dude. I mean, Dirk was a one of one. Now mm. uh, I'm going to be the guy that I just criticized in the previous segment. Oh, please and do. say I grew up watching Dirk. So like, yeah. I'm gonna have a sentimental connection to Dirk for the rest of my life. Because I watched him as a kid with a big imagination, and he captivated in ways that no other player could, you know, at the time. Um, now, I also think that my view on those comments is a little distorted because I know how Dirk's story like ended. I know how Dirk's That's I know true. Dirk's entire arc. Whereas point. with Luca, he's still on the come up. You know, he hasn't reached the mountaintop. We don't know if he will. I'm pretty confident that he will at some point. Will it be with the Mavs? Will it, I, who knows? Like, who knows? You know, will he win? Jay Kidd said he's not going to win one. He said he's going to win multiple. He said not one, not two. So, like, if Luca goes on to win six titles, then, you know, like, we just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. We don't know. Um, and so it's hard to have that conversation. But, yeah, I mean, Luca is – he is uh, – what Dirk – Dirk became an unguardable player. Um, Luca is unguardable in ways that Dirk – was guardable. Luca can get 50, 60, 70 points. He can also get 10, 15, 20 assists. Yeah. He can do those things in the same game. Um, he can score from anywhere on the floor. He is a force unto himself, um, single-handedly a top 10 offense just by himself. Yep. Um, so there's no, there's no debating like the skill comparison. Luca just more talented yeah. than Dirk, more productive than Dirk. Debate, yeah. um, but I know how Dirk's story ended, yeah. and I know, like, I saw how Dirk evolved, um, and we'll see if Luca gets there. Uh, well, yeah, I, th- I think it's, I think it's perfectly okay to set back and be like, dude, is he more skilled than Dirk? Can he do more things than Dirk, and all of that? Yes, but I think it's also perfectly say, you're fine to say, we got to see some of the other stuff that Dirk, the, some of the intangible stuff, some of the reaching that highest pinnacle moment of winning a title. Uh, that he brought to Dallas, some you know, some of the leadership stuff. Some of the there's different things that of those intangible pathways of being a star player that Dirk eventually evolved. But we know how that story you know ends. We don't know how Luca's story ends. So mm. and Dirk learned similar to how you know Luca is learning now um, how to grow from foreign kid that kind of language barrier and how do I fit here yeah. into leader of a, like leader of men, you know. Uh, and that graphic began with the 2004-05 season, which is very fitting because that was Dirk's first season after Nash left, when Dirk became the unquestioned guy. Like, it was Finley's last year, uh, year with the Mavs. He was already kind of on the downturn of his career, you know, kind of past his prime. Dirk had definitely taken the, the torch from him um, by that point. And Dirk had to go through a few iterations of of teammates. You know, they went to the finals in 06 and certainly could have won that series and maybe should have won that series and didn't. In 07, they had an unbelievable regular season and then had to take a historic L in the first round of the Warriors. And it looked kind of dreary, and then eventually they broke through and they won. You know, um, With Luka, his career is at a different level than Dirk's was at the time. Luka is already top X player in the league. You know, um, But he has, in his own ways, faced some pretty, some pretty big Ls. Yeah. You know, he's faced some pretty big failures, missing the play-in altogether last season. Um, He's been to the conference finals, but that was the only time that his teams have won a playoff series. And so there's all these hurdles 
that he needs to overcome in order to get to like the mountaintop, right? And we saw Dirk overcome them. Uh, we haven't seen Luca do that yet, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it'll look like when he gets there. I'm very confident that Luca will win a championship at some point, maybe soon, uh, maybe in five months. Who knows? Um, but I don't know until he does it. It's just, it's kind of like I don't know. I'll tell you a debate that I'm not really here for for the years to come is Luca versus Dirk. Mm. I was like, hey, I'm I'm just super appreciative that we've had both of them, and Dirk is a legend, and Luca is on the path becoming this legend. I'm like, I'll let people online have that debate. Like, imagine if uh, you know, it's much tougher to do it whenever your your feels are involved. Yeah. You know, but let's look just down the highway. What happens ten years from now if Wimby becomes the player that we think he's going to become? Is he better than Duncan? Like they can have that debate, you know. Like Lakers fans genuinely are like, is it Kobe? Is it Shaq? Is it like, is it Kareem? Is it Magic? Like LeBron? How, yeah. So, uh, how do you do that? How yeah. do you figure it out? You know, like it's very, very difficult to do. Celtics fans. I mean, there's so many great players in Boston over the years. Hornets. Okay, but don't don't be mean. No, I was just saying we're just naming teams. Oh, okay, okay. In there. Um, but like, how do you? How do you? It's impossible. They're different eras, different arcs different developments i wouldn't trade dirk's career for anything <laughs> no. for 15 straight championships i wouldn't do it because the one that he got was so meaningful to him to the organization to me to everybody that watched it just was me i would not trade that experience for any other basketball experience in the world i just wouldn't do it and so you know it's going to be hard to convince me one way or the other but i mean i'm not yeah. delusional enough to think that luca isn't like one of the most skilled offensive players of all time you know yeah like he is arguably a top five to ten offensive player ever already he's already probably if we're talking non-big men one of the three or four best offensive players of all time like he is that level of good yeah. production skill diversity of game like he's an all-time great first ballot hall of famer already oh yeah but it's just you know it's just kind of a different i got different feelings about dirk I haven't cried about Luca yet. Yeah, <laughs> I cried yeah. with Dirk. Oh, dude! <laughs> like, all right, let's talk 41, about twenty-one, twenty-one-one. <laughs> like, I mean, oh yeah, holy just, moly, you know. Let me just, yeah. Let's talk about the rising stars. Oh well, yeah, I got Dirk on my shirt. Oh, you do? Yeah, I got forty-one uh, on the Omni right here. It says forty-one twenty-one-one. Awesome. Uh, I can get up and get closer to the camera if you want me to. <laughs> oh, they, we can see. It. Okay, all right. I, I don't need to do that. Yeah, just don't take your jacket off. But like, will is is it going to be seventy seven eighteen four? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know. Who's putting that up on a billboard if it's four though? Like, four titles is pretty cool. Oh, I thought you. Yeah, okay. Or I guess the one was the one team. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like seventy seven eighteen one. What team is putting four up? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I just totally I bungled that don't one. Don't say four, Luca. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> four different teams. Uh, yeah, Real Madrid. Yeah, <laughs> Real Madrid. Uh, Slovenia, uh, Slovenia. The Mavs and All Star team. Uh, Olympia Ljubljana. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the Rising Stars game that Luca played in back in the day. Yep. The Mavs have a player in the Rising Stars game. Shout out to the Duck. The Duck. <laughs> Have you heard that on the audio there? But uh, Derek Lively, the second for the Mavs, named to the Rising Stars game, and uh, which is a game that happens over All-Star Weekend. It's the rookies. It's the sophomores. Uh, we've got a handful of uh, G League players that uh, we'll see 
few of those players in the league next year, probably. Coached by former Mavericks, great and uh, all around good dude, Detlef Schrempf. Love Detlef. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk about guys. Sorry, underrated career, and if that if you could pluck that guy from the '90s and put him in today's NBA, He'd oh my up. god, oh my god. When you think of Detlef, what do you think about like what jersey? Uh, well, I mean. Mavs because of personal connection, yeah, but I mean he was amazing with the Sonics. I was obviously, just, I was just thinking about the Sonics, yeah. dude. He shot like forty eight percent from three, like multiple seasons. He, he was unbelievable player. Are we sure he can't suit up right now for Dallas? He could probably, honestly, he could probably come in and and give you ten off the bench because we need a guy like that that yeah. on this team. So we're we're gonna have some fun here. We're gonna do a little fantasy draft. We have the rookies, we have the sophomores. Um, I think you might be able to see him on the on the screen here. And uh, we're going to draft a starting five, each of us. Okay. Let's see who has. Is the, the goal to for my team to beat your team, or is it to, like, just the best? That would be or? the goal. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I'm counter-teaming you? Yep. All right. Who wants to go first? We're doing snake style, right? So it's like one, two, 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 two. Yes, snake style. And... Do you want me to go first, or you want to go first? You can go first. All right. With the first pick of the uh, draft thing... I'm taking Jalen Williams from the Thunder. Stop. Dude. Are you really? I'm taking Jalen Williams from the OKC Thunder. <laughs> I like him. Yeah, I like him a lot. What, am I a weirdo? I mean, I think it's kind of kind of wild, but, you know, you do you. All like, right. You know how good he is in the clutch this year? Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. You know how versatile he is? <laughs> I'm trying to build a lineup, man. <laughs> trying to win this thing. Um. All right. So, uh, give me Wimby and Chet. Okay. I the reason I took Jay, well, I, I, mean, I'm just I took saying, him because like, I thought you were only going to take one of them. No, no, <laughs> oh, no. I'll, I'll take both of them. <laughs> All right, well I got to cross them off the list. Uh, those are going to be one of my next picks. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> jerk. <laughs> All right, so I, I guess you're not going to take any other bigs, so I'll just take the other positions. I, I'm, I'm kind of confident that Wimby could play the three. All right, I. Hate you so with a fiery wrath. If you want Kessler, I'll, I'll give him to you. Give me, uh, give me Case and Wallace, also from the OKC Thunder. That's solid. And give me, how about Keegan Murray from the Sacramento okay. Kings? So I got my one, my two, and my three against your Giants, spreading y'all out. I I love seeing the career Keegan Murray's having because on draft night they took him over Jaden Ivy, and I think Ivy will have a, a fine career. It's pretty rocky in Detroit right now, but. They have, like, proved so many people wrong because there were so many hot takes that night. Like, oh, yeah. The Kings did it again. And oh, yeah. Bam. Dude, uh, Murray, Murray is not – he was so good against the Mavs in that game. Like, he wasn't really doing anything, and all of a sudden he just took over like that. Yeah. He can score. Um, I'll take uh, Paolo. Are you serious? Yeah. I Dude. almost took him one. You know how much I love Paolo. But why? You already have, like, eight big men. Him and Chet can, like – they can. one of them this could be sucks. the three. This sucks. I'm going home. Um, you've taken all my guys. <laughs> you had three picks. Just keep are, going. Are none of your three picks your guys? Just keep going. I just thought that <sighs> there are fewer impact backcourt players in the draft, so I wanted to get them early. You went first, and you took Jalen Williams. He's the best wing over Wimby and Chet. So just keep drafting. <laughs> Shut up. Um. Man, I can't believe you're getting fired. I can't GM. believe Pods is still there. He was a top three pick <laughs> in a redraft. Um, all right, I have to do it. I will take. I'll take Hawkes. 
Good God. You got to go with size. Is he your shooting guard? <laughs> yeah, he's like he six, is. Eight. He's going to be. This is the worst. <laughs> All right. It's your turn again. I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. Can you please take lively? We we need someone to take lively. Right. Well, I'm gonna now. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so I have three players, right? So I have I have Kaysen, Keegan, and J Dub. Is it J Dub or J J Dub? Is it okay? Yep. Um. All right. I'm gonna take Derek Lively the second from the Mavs. Um, Solid. And then I'm gonna take. So I need a four. I mean, you you've taken all of them. I have. So this is gonna be pretty tough. I mean, I. Interesting decision here because I could just go like, I could go with Jabari, I could go. Dang, that would be my. I could go with like just play super small ball and take like Brandon Miller and put Keegan at the four. That's a, that's an interesting choice too. That's true. That's kind of what I'm choosing between right now because I I do like Miller's game a lot. I think he's yeah he's, he's shaping yeah, yeah. up to be a pretty dang good player. Um, but I have to contend with your size, man. I I mean Dyson Daniels is also kind of a. This like tweener player that could play. I'm you know what? I'm gonna go with um I'm gonna go with Jabari Smith. Give me Jabari Smith. Solid. Yeah. So my team is I got Kaysen Wallace, Jalen Williams, Keegan Murray, Jabari Smith, and Derek Lively. A little bit of length. That's good. You know, maybe not the most shooting, but I got a lot of defense on my team. I'm gonna take Jordan Hawkins. Okay. And I'm gonna let Hame run the point. Okay. So my team is Jaime Jaquez, Jordan Hawkins, Paolo, Chet, and Wimby. Wow. I mean, good luck getting the shot off. Yeah, my first instinct is no shooting, but like Chet shoots like 80% from three, <laughs> and Wimby can also bomb it from midcourt. Yeah. Dude. I got Jordan Hawkins. That's a lot of size. He's going to get some shots. You can also let Paolo run point. Yeah. I mean, that's like a walking mismatch. Paolo just too. can't shoot. He's not allowed to shoot in the mid range, but he could drive. And. Yeah, this thing. yeah. Uh, that's kind of his go-to stuff, though. Those moves in the yeah. same with Jabari. Both of them kind of operate. They're both, you know. We I I thought that Jabari would be more of like a three-point shooter, and he will be eventually. I think I'm a huge fan of Jabari. Yeah, now. but he's almost like he's kind of this like throwback player. A lot of post-up, a lot of mid-range face-up kind of stuff. Paolo yeah. too. Interesting players. I'm really happy wow. Derek Lively's in this game. I would have taken Lively much earlier if you didn't leave me Chet and Wimby. I just didn't think you would take both. I thought you would take mm -hmm. one. And that I could get the other one. Uh, so I, I kind of outsmarted myself there. I, would I mean, would sorry, you have taken? Would you have uh, taken Williams? Oh yeah. Like with your first set of picks? Uh, no. Like, what if I would have taken Wimby? <laughs> Wait, um, can we? All right. This is the the rookie sophomore redraft pod. No, I would first have. Pearl Jam. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have because I would have taken Paolo. Okay, so you still would have gone big, big. Yeah. Okay. I, right. I mean, I'm just so I'm I a huge got, fan of Paolo. I, I could have got Wimby and J-Dub. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. Fans are going to be tweeting about this forever. Also for the G League part. The Bobby Moneyball podcast will never let this go. <laughs> 2019. <Yeah>. Um, <laughs> um, I shouldn't even try to say his name because I don't know how to say it, but the Buzelis. Uh, Matas? Matas? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and the G League that's going to be on that G League team. I, I like his game. Yeah, Ron Holland, obviously another big yeah. one. There's a there's a bunch of big names on I the team. I think he, I think yeah, I think he's gonna be a, a solid player in the league. But yeah, couple snugs, uh, snubs, <laughs> snugs, snugs, <laughs> couple snubs uh, that we did not pick that I think are very good. Brandon Miller, um, <laughs> Scoot, <laughs> Louisville's own Keontae George he's did balling. not make the cut. Yeah. Uh, Pods didn't make the cut. 
Jalen Duran, who I think you and I both like. Um, he didn't really yeah, make the no, cut. Okay. You know, there's just too many bigs. I it's think. funny in that it's funny that neither one of us took Scoot, Brandon Miller, or Jaden Ivey. Scoot was second pick, Brandon Miller third pick. Or no, vice, vice versa. versa. Yeah. Jaden Ivey was a top four pick. Yeah. And um Shaden Sharp, I think, was what, seventh in his draft. And I thought oh. about I thought about him, but I like uh I mean that athleticism is unbelievable. But I like J Dub a little more. Yeah. Or I, I guess a lot more. He's I would have probably good. taken Casey Wallace too. By the way, dude, that you took him. Love Case and Wallace. Talked to him at the combine. Seems like a really, really good dude. Love his game. Like instantly, I went through. You know, before the draft show last year, went through and watched all these guys, and it took like four possessions for me to be like, yeah, Case and Wallace, is, like m- my favorite player in the draft. Watching all these Kentucky games. Oh yeah, dude. Kentucky guards so in the good. league, though. I mean, no, there's a lot of them. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Tyrese Maxey going off. Jamal stuff. Murray, of course, winning a championship. Yeah. You know, oh, there's a bunch of them. Fox, John Wall still. Fox a big snub. Yeah, All-Star. big snub. Yeah, yeah. All right, it's another week of Corner Three. This episode will be out on YouTube and everything today, this afternoon, as you're listening to this on the way home from work, maybe. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, Bucks are in town. Make sure you uh, check out that game, Dame, Giannis, all that. And uh, Mavs might have their starting five. I was on uh, Tim Cato's pod, uh, the only Mavericks podcast. It's the only one, yeah. Yesterday, I think it might have come out today. I'm not sure, but um, Tim was saying that it's it's looking, it's trending toward that that direction or whatever. Let's go. That the full five will be back. We'll see. If you haven't checked out the top shelf with Devin Harris and Derek Jones Jr. last week, was it last week? Part one last week. Part two came out yesterday. Oh yeah. yeah. So uh, and then yeah, check on that next week too and then momentarily there's going to be another player coming in here for an yeah. interview let's go so we we have to hurry up and get out of here <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> we're going all right we'll see you next week for the corner three that will be a live stream right on friday i'm pretty sure if the, we could well if we're actually depends on the power of the internet because we, we can't promise to... that but we will have some type of an episode friday morning Recap it. Everything that happens with the NBA trade deadline, whether Mavs do something or not, we'll be talking about how it impacts the Mavs. If there are any new Mavs, if we're saying bye to any Mavs and we're in tears, all this different stuff, we'll be back next Friday. And then we'll probably try to stream next Wednesday. Has a trade ever made you cry before? Um. So... I was trying to dismount and land the plane. And you I mean, just this like, is a quick. It's a quick question. You just like pulled it back just up. Just a to quick go question. Back in the I'm air. sorry. I was sad when Dorian left. We'll Let me go you. back in time and say nothing. As you're <laughs> crying, as we're leaving, have a good day, and we'll see you next Friday. Thanks, Cat and Chopper. Thanks, Thank Isaac. Thank you, Cat. Bye. Thank you, Chopper.